but uh, um, so. All right. Uh, I am here with Coach Mikhail Salienko of the Stevens Point Youth Hockey Association. Also coaches the Central, Central Wisconsin Flyers 07 team. And last year he was our Coleman, coach, Coleman Cup 07 winning coach. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So uh, you have a very, very unique playing history, um, and I would love for people to hear that. So can you give us a little background on, on where you grew up, where you played hockey, and how you how, how, how kind of managed coming to Stevens Point? Sure, sure. I, I, I love sharing that story. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's somewhat um, uncommon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously have no regrets the way things played out. <laughs> And I'm happy to be where I'm at. So, um, so I'm 44 now. Let's see. Before I turned 20, um, I had been playing in my home country. I grew up in the city called Riga, and Riga was the capital of Latvia. So, for all of your geography buffs out there, maybe look it up and see where Latvia is located. I'll give you a hint. It's in the Eastern Europe region. So, uh, growing up and playing in Latvia was, uh, uh, was, was quite different from anything that you would experience here. Okay. I mean, we're talking different culture, different time, um, different model, different mindset. You know, we'll get into coaching conversations and different styles and, and, uh, uh, you know, different, uh, um, uh, approaches from coaches. So I've experienced a lot of it. And uh, so I've been playing my entire youth career, if you will, uh, in Latvia. And uh, believe it or not, my city is about, uh, I want to say it's about a million residents. So it's a big city. And the entire city, we only had two hockey clubs. Okay. I know it's very unusual. So it was, it was critical from the age of, say, eight, when, we, when you first kind of enter the, uh, the hockey world. And, and, and we pretty much, the way we were trained, I mean, you stayed with the same group throughout your entire youth career. I mean, you may see some changes when you um, came up to, uh, you know, 15 or 16 uh, years of age. You know, at that point, you know, kids started making some changes or, you know, moving away a little bit or you would see uh, teams merging a little bit and they, they're, you know, they're, they're putting different teams together. But uh, for the most part, it was all one team. And the name of my team was Dynamo, Dynamo Riga. Um, and, uh, in fact, Dynamo Riga still plays in KHL. So I was moving through the youth channels, and uh, now there's a, there's a team in KHL, and uh, um, obviously their, their season got cut short as well. But So the brand is still out there. You know, the, the school uh, of hockey is still out there. So anyway, when I turned 20, I decided that uh, playing back home was great. Uh, it uh, made me the player that I was. And uh, But then I always thought about, okay, what if hockey doesn't work out? Then I have to have a plan B. So education was something that I was interested in. And I thought it would be a neat idea to travel over to the United States. And, uh, you know, by utilizing my hockey background, potentially get a Division One scholarship. So, um, uh, you know, I, I went to see an, an individual who had had experience playing in the United States. In fact, he played for uh, Wisconsin Badgers. His name was Alvis Kotlops, individual who lived in the Waukesha area or Milwaukee area. Um, uh, and then uh, so after playing for the Badgers, he actually moved back to Riga and he became a banker. So I knew him quite well. So I went over, we talked about it, and he kind of explained all the nuances and things that I have to keep in mind. Um, gave me some direction, very little, and he said, okay, well, we'll, we'll connect you with the team. 
So I ended up going to Des Moines, uh, played for the Bucks in the United States Hockey League. Um, it was very unusual. Once again, you know, nowadays kids, even European players, I would imagine they have some type of, um, uh, you know, folks who, who can advise them on the process. Okay, here's what to expect. This is the Premier League in the United States. Uh, this is how they play. You know, you know what what is your what is your end goal? Are you going there to become a professional hockey player or to get a scholarship and so on and so forth? So I didn't have any of that. So I was just a clueless kid who just got off of uh, a Greyhound, a Greyhound bus in Des Moines with my hockey bag and maybe fifty dollars to my name. By the way, I need I don't need anybody to feel pity for me. That that built me up. That whole experience was critical. Um, and then got picked up by my billet family, and my billet family, in fact, um, uh, somebody who I've been, uh, very much close with. We've been close, we've stayed close over the years, and they've become like a second family uh, for me, helped me out tremendously. Um, so, and then started out with Des Moines, um, had a good experience with Des Moines, and then at a trade a trade a deadline, um, I ended up going to Dubuque. So I played for the Dubuque Fighting Saints back uh, back then. Um, uh, this would have been the season of 1996-97. And uh, um, so out of that experience, uh, I had a couple of um, uh, partial uh, rights conversations with a few schools. Nothing really uh, turned into anything uh, more concrete. So ended up going to University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point, Division Three, perennial powerhouse. Um, yeah. <laughs> so after that, so played for pointers for four years, graduated in 2001. Then upon graduation, I was actually, um, I signed uh, a professional contract in the minor league back then. There were several leagues out there. They don't exist anymore, but this league was called United Hockey League, UHL, or kids called it U-Haul back then. So I went out east um, uh, and got a little taste of that. That didn't really last long. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a separate conversation about that. So then I played a little bit in the Central Hockey League uh, down in San Angelo, Texas. That's a separate conversation as well, too. But um, so after Chase and Buck for uh, in the minors for a little bit, I finally decided that you know that really wasn't something that I wanted to pursue long term. So we, my wife and I, we decided just to settle down. And that's how you ended up in Stevens Point, right? I ended up in Stevens Point. My wife is from Point, so no matter where you go, you end up coming back. We obviously have her family here. My family is still back home. So no matter where we live in the United States, we're not really going to get that, that much close to my family. So we decided to move back. And that kind of probably um, is, a, is a good segue into my coaching career. Yep. So uh, uh, not not to be long-winded or anything like that, Ryan, but I might as well just talk about that. So with coaching, um, it, it, it is very unusual, right? None of us went to school to become a coach. Um, you could have gone to school to be a FIA teacher and that type of thing, right? Or, or I don't know what other minors or majors are out there, but that's something that you know, the passion you develop as you play hockey. And then in the long run, you start thinking about, well, wouldn't that be nice for me to leave a mark, um, uh, you know, on, on a young player to make that player better, to help them develop and so on and so forth. A lot of coaches also, and this is not anything that's new to a lot of people. I mean, they start coaching because of their kids. Okay. So their kids get into the sport and they, you know, and, and, and the former hockey players decide, well, I might as well pay my dues, give back. I want to be uh, close with my child. I want to teach him things that I've learned over the years. So uh, 
that's kind of what happened. But in between, in between, uh, my very first coaching experience was on a high school level, which a lot of people don't just throw themselves in on a high school level, but that's the way things turned out. Yeah. So there was a um, there was a former coach who coached Spash. Uh, I can't tell you what years, but his name was Will Nickel. Will Nickel was a good friend of mine, and uh, we played together a point. And uh, so he coached Spash for two years. And Will right now works, I believe, for the Las Vegas Knights in the player development um, department. So he's he's done extremely well. So after coaching Spash for two years, um, he came to me and said. Mikhail, I, I'd like you to consider coaching Spesh. And I said, Will, I don't know anything about coaching, man. You're talking about Spesh. You went to state two years in a row. How, how do I follow that? He goes, oh, don't worry about it. You know, Will, you'll be okay. I'll be there for you. And he did remain in the area here. So he goes, I'll be there for you. If any questions, just come to me. We'll work it out. So here I am, you know, faced with the decision to coach Spesh. And I'm um, thinking, okay, well, I think I know – the game, I think I can go ahead and just kind of, you know, uh, give it a go. So I ended up coaching Spash for three years. And this is something that I reminded a good friend of mine this year when I showed a T-shirt from uh, 2009, the last time the Spash went to state. And I said, buddy, this has been 10 years. It's been too too long. You got to take the program back. And unfortunately, they came up short. But um so coach for three years, and because of uh, career changes with my job, I had to uh, leave that position. Um, I had a great time coaching at a high school level, but then my my son started coming up, and uh, I was given an opportunity to coach with the Ice Hawks. And now, in addition to the Ice Hawks, you coach the Stevens or the, the the Flyers. You were a Coleman Cope coach. Um, you've you've had you've worn a, a different uh, a lot of uh, coaching hats over the years. Which coach, uh, which team, um, and I'd say, uh, uh, you know, do you enjoy coaching the most? Right. Um, good question. I would say, you know, we're just focusing on youth hockey. Uh, I will I will say this. Obviously, going from high school level yeah. uh, down to youth level and coaching, you know, in the, in the mites and in-house and all of that, that was a that was a huge uh, difference, right? I mean, you you coaching kids who are potentially playing junior hockey, and then you going down and you holding hands and you wiping noses and you're you know pushing chairs and that type of thing, right? But that's something that all of us have to go through to appreciate once we get to the next level. That hey man, this this when you start things paying dividends, right? I mean, all the investment, all the all the seven o'clock uh, ice times that uh, the only ice time available, but I will say um, that uh, I enjoy coaching in the ISOX organization. I really do. And part of it is that, as, as, as it is in any organization, you know, depending on, on how those teams move up, right? I mean, you go from mites to squirts, from squirts to peewees and so on and so forth. You, go, you get to know a lot of people and you build good relationships with families. And you see kids when they were eight and now they are, you know, 13. So for the last five years, you've built those relationships. And again, what, what's critical for me is to see progress, right? I mean, once again, something that you've put in a lot of time and a lot of effort and not necessarily my son, right? I mean, other kids too. And now you see those things come to fruition. So <clears throat> with Coleman Cup, that was a very neat experience, but this is, it was very, short lived, right? I mean, you just bring these kids for one weekend 
And uh, uh, unfortunately, with Coleman Cup, as you know, the schedule uh, after the tryouts and leading up to the tournament, it's a it's a it's a spring break season. So a lot of families, you know, they try it out, they make the team, but then hey, I won't see you until the tournament. Okay, so you know, you can't quite build and establish the same relationships, and that's why you know it's still a great experience. You still kind of want to go out there and have fun and, and win it and so on and so forth. But you just don't quite um, feel the same way about about the players. Okay. Um, now going into coaching and coaching philosophies and things like that, uh, and I asked this to a lot of the co- uh, college coaches as well. But give me the first five minutes of what your practice looks like. So first five minutes, I would say um, uh, would have to be spent skating. You know, um, I'm a, uh, I'm a huge fan of USA Hockey and what they preach and the model that they put forth and, and, you know, and it's very specific, right? For every age level, there are certain skills that need to be taught and focused on and so on and so forth. So coming off of last year, you know, uh, coaching a Wee team, we dedicated first five, I would say even 10 minutes to skating, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the challenges that we have here, and it's a challenge, but it's also kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a good problem, as they say, we have uh, very high numbers up in the Stevens Point area. So there's a lot of kids who want to play hockey. We try to accommodate everyone. There's probably three teams on every level. So three square teams, three peewees, and three banners. So where I'm going with this one is that ice time is hard to come by. And a lot of times uh, we only get half the ice, right? So we don't even get a full sheet of ice, and we have to work with those limitations. But, you know, we make the best – of that opportunity. So we still go through a number of skating drills. So skating is critical for us. You know, we work on edges, obviously backward skating, uh, forward skating, uh, you know, and all of that. So, and that gives uh, my assistant coaches an opportunity to work with our goalies too. So I would say first five to 10 minutes of our one hour session is dedicated to skating. What about the last five minutes of your practice? What do you dedicate for that? Yeah, it's it's bag skating too, right? <laughs> That's when the Russian blood starts boiling, and, uh, and I start and I start just bagging. Uh, no, I would say you know, in a lot of coaches in in your previous sessions, you know, they, they all said that. I think the practical thing is to finish off practice with with a fun game. And I agree with that, too. You know, I mean, you know, if you watch my practices, I'm the kind of guy uh, that likes to establish good pace, a lot of movement, a lot of activity, very um, uh, little standing around. So we go, go, go. So the first 50 minutes, I would say the kids are wiped out, right? I mean, the water bottles are empty and everything else. So the last five or 10 minutes, we're slowing down. We play games, um, so, you know, there's still good intensity, don't get me wrong, but but you have to finish up on the good note where it doesn't feel like a lot of work. It feels like, man, this was fun, you know? Yeah. So we, we try to kind of balance things out a little bit. I would say, you know, I mean, you know, having some fun games is something that I think a lot of coaches would, you know, um, would attest to. And I, I've seen some of your practices, and, and I and – I, I think they're phenomenal practices. And, and you, you brought up something there with the last question about you don't have a lot of standing around in them. And it's something that I, as a coach, also try to really push and, and with all of my practices as well. Can you give coaches out there an example of, like, how long 
do you actually think a kid is standing in line for one of your drills? Because I've seen it. And some of your practices, I mean, I don't think kids are standing around for more than 15 seconds before the next one. I mean, you have, you have your practice, you're just moving. Can you yeah. kind of go into that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would say, and, and here's my and here's my model, and this is something that we talked about to our to our players too. You know, um, what is it that you're trying to accomplish during practice? And this is a very straightforward conversation with a 12 or 13 year old because they need to understand the process of training. What really happens during practice? Okay, mm-hmm. and a lot of those drills they are about repetition. I mean, if you go, if you, you know, if you skating and you're shooting at a from a different angle or from the same angle it's about you know repetition muscle memory uh you know understanding you know from skating standpoint understanding your edges your speed you know uh, uh you know dynamics of that mm-hmm. so then you can start talking about getting your reps get your reps okay so it is on you if we do on a shooting drill and we're working from two different points okay so say we line up on the blue line on the left side and on the right side okay get your reps in so meaning you do the drill it lasts maybe five or six seconds okay get back in line do it again change sides do it again so i can't stand there and uh, control and police everybody saying, hey, get back in line quicker. But I do see when some players, you know, they they shoot the puck, they finish the drill, and they're just kind of lollygagging, slowly getting back in line. No, that's you're not. You're only cheating yourself, right? So reminding people that's really what 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 is about. And then um, I think your uh, previous coaches made a comment that you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared. You need to uh, establish drills that could flow from start to finish of practice. Um, you know, I think one of your coaches talked about, uh, you know, a progression of drills too, right? So you go from <clears throat> what starts out, you know, as, as a shooting drill that it goes into maybe you enter a pass, then maybe it's two passes, maybe it's two people, now it's three people, so on and so forth. So to me, that's critical too. So that kind of uh, uh, gives kids an opportunity to think about that progression, what really gets added and how drill goes from basic drill to a little bit more complex drill that you have to execute. And it's easier, right? It's easier for them to grasp it, not to write up something that is, you know, extremely uh, out there. I mean, they can kind of follow that drill. So, and, and you know, in intensity and between drills, for example, just a quick uh, thing, between drills, we do three quick laps, right? Yep. You kind of finish the drill, but then you have to really burn it up, right? So, I mean, now, now you're just skating just to, again, just to, uh, work on fitness level, uh, work on, um, uh, whatchamacallit, um, you know, just, just getting your body ready to, you think you're tired, well, here's three more laps that you have to, you know, complete before you can actually go and drink some water. We do give people water around here, Ryan, just so you know. <laughs> Um, now, during your practices and things like that, do you have something you you are continually stressing to your players of that's something that's important to the, uh, you and them, something that's always like in the back of their minds of things they can be doing or or things that they could be thinking about? Yeah, yeah. So two, two things. Um, I did think about this question when I heard it on, on previous uh, live stream. So two things, and this is something that I think I, 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 I dream about because I say it so much keeping your head up okay mm-hmm. so keeping your head up uh when you do a drill and i know you you, you so want to just drop your eyes down and look down and even even funny when kids are just you know watch watch some kids when they're doing back 
backward skating, right? Immediately, they just want to look down and see their skates. There's nothing to see, okay? Keep your head up, you know, keep looking out right in front of you. There's nothing to see. Your feet, you know, your body will develop that recognition where it becomes naturally, uh, you know, it would naturally feel good, right? So first and foremost, heads up. you got to be able to execute those drills, whether it's a shooting drill, passing drill, of course, you know, you get into two-on-ones and three-on-ones and so on and so forth. you got to skate with your head up. The other thing we started stressing, and this is kind of where the game is going a little bit, if you watch high school hockey or if you watch NHL and that type of thing, how people do not overhandle or overstick handle, right? So um, move the puck quicker. Again, three-on-two, maybe make that extra pass just to practice passing. You see an open player, hit him with a pass, that puck may come back to you. So I would say the main thing is is a heads up, uh, moving the puck quick, and communication, right? Youth players, Ryan, you deal with it all the time. You want to pull your hair out, talk to your teammates out there. Let's not be quiet. I don't want to just hear my voice, right? Yep. So I would, say, I would say between those two or three, those are the main things that we always remind skaters about. You know, it's funny you bring up communication because that's something I always – when I played, I, I did a lot. I still do it even when I'm playing, like, men's league and things like that. And I try to stress to, to the players that I coach, it's one thing to talk to your players. I mean, it's fantastic. You can let them know where you're at. You can let them know if you're open. You can let them know how things are developing on the ice when you're communicating. But the other thing I stress to my players is talk to the other team. Not, you know, like talking bad, but you can, you'd be shocked about just the communication with the other team. What you can say to them that's going to dictate you getting the puck. Like, you can call for the puck and they have it. They might not give you the puck, but they're going to think about it for a second. It might throw them and make, make them change what their mind of what play they're going to make. And I think that's underestimated with communication. It's not just communication with your own teammates. It's also communication with the other team. What you can say that could potentially get them to do something that you want. So I love the communication part of it. Um, now, with your history, your playing history and stuff like that, what is something that you think is like the, one of the biggest changes from when you were a kid to when you were a coach now? Yeah, that's a that that's a very important question, right? And this is again, this is something that I keep thinking about quite a bit. And so when I started off saying that, you know, when I played, uh, and even when you played, um, we played in different era, uh, different coaching styles, and and in and, and uh, different uh, mindset. Um, the way I was coached, and this is something actually that helped me to grow as a coach myself. So we've had, I've had numerous coaches, numerous coaches, and I try to get things that I know were very effective with me. Whatever coach did, what he said, how he explained things, it was so effective. Um, it made a huge impact at, on, on me, and I want to be able to remember those things, the style of communication and, and and do that now moving forward, you know, with all, with all the teams that I coach. Um, you can be a very emotional coach, too, and you can, you know, wear your, you know, emotions on your sleeve and stuff like that, and you can be, and, and maybe you shouldn't change that. But, again, just, just to stand there and yell and, and, and be negative because all you see is negative is not necessarily something that is overly productive. It can bring a kid down, it can bring the whole team down, just having that bad attitude. We all know, you know, we all know those coaches. So be a little bit more mindful of how you communicate, positive reinforcement. Um, and I will even say that, I mean, when I first started coaching, uh, you know, I told my dad, I said, hey, dad, this is what I'm thinking about doing. He's like, oh, my gosh, this is great and this and that. And, 
And uh, so he was very supportive of that. And he said, Mikhail, there's one thing I want you to keep in mind. Coaching your own son is extremely difficult or your own kid, maybe a daughter, right? So that's something that uh, I'd like to share with other coaches, whoever is watching or just parents and stuff like that. It is extremely difficult. And, and, uh, and, and part of it is the fact that, you know, when things are not going your way and you want to just blast someone, because you know, you can get away, but it's not fair. Right. And at the other, uh, you know, at the other um, uh, point of it is that um, it, it's hard to talk your own kid up in front of everybody else, even if he deserves it. Right. Because then it may be perceived as, oh, you're just, you know, playing favorites with your own son and so on and so forth. So that was that was that was a hard thing. Uh, but going back to your question, sorry, I kind of just went off on the tangent a little bit. But going going back to your question, you know, uh, when I grew up, we skated five times a week. Mm-hmm. Right. OK. So, again, that and I, I'm going to just give you a quick synopsis of my of my past. OK, I'll give you I'll give you my season. So again, this is up till I was probably 16 or 18. We skated, we practiced the entire year with the exception of one month. So the month of June back in Soviet Union was typically vacation time. So yep. kids went off and they did their things and they kind of got, got their minds off hockey and that type of thing. But then when you return in July, then July and August, you did dry land. Okay. And dry land, not the kind of dry land sometimes people confused about when they're like, oh, the dry land. So it's about an hour. You guys went out there and you shot, you know, shot baskets, maybe did some sprints. It was hardcore. Okay. For about a month, we would go to a summer camp. Okay. And again, people be, oh, summer camps, they're fun. There's all kinds of camps all over the place. Open Let's Play Hockey magazine. And there's no, no. These <laughs> summer camps were away from our parents. We were, taken to the remote village in Latvia someplace by bus. And uh, we would live together um, on site for about four weeks. And uh, uh, it was from sunrise to sunset, you were, uh, you were, you were, you were training. Okay. And at times it felt like you were training for track and field, man. I mean, what, what are we doing here? So, so it was hardcore. Then you return in August and you started touching the ice, right? And then again, it's five times a week. And then you went all the way through uh, the end of May. And at that point, again, vacation started back up. So what I'm saying is, I know it's a different culture, different era, but it's nothing that you can ever replicate around here. Yeah. Okay. And maybe you don't even have to. You don't want to. Maybe there's other ways to still go about it and get things done and develop these kids. You don't need to quite commit your entire life uh, to the game. And I've become a huge proponent of playing other sports, Ryan, right? So people talking about kids being uh, multi-athletes and, and, and well-rounded and, and, and there's nothing else with um, playing, you know, uh, and I will bash baseball. Okay. You all out there, you can start hating me. I'm not a huge baseball fan. I don't think it's a good compliment to hockey. But I would encourage soccer. I would encourage uh, lacrosse. Okay. I would encourage uh, even basketball. I mean, you know, those te- those sports kind of replicate the game of hockey. I mean, it's team sport. There's a similar concept. There's defense. There's offense. There's movement. You're running up and down. 
Baseball is a little different. To me, it's a lot of standing around. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Um, the, I've got a few last questions for you here. And um, one is, uh, you know, the percentage of time that you either feel in a season or let's just say a practice where we should be working on individual skills compared to that of maybe like systems and things like that. Like how much time do you, do you allocate towards uh, individual skills for your players? Right, right. Uh, good question. So here's, here's another thing. I know it's a short question, but I'll give you a long answer. I like long answers. So that way we can kind of cover a lot of bases here. <laughs> so our past season, uh, we talked about, and this is in the meeting with, with parents and kids, so everybody's on the same page. We're really focused on three things. So three things where if you look at the pie chart, um, we wanted to develop kids' um, skill level, okay, physiology of a child, and then hockey IQ, okay? So three things, once again, skill, IQ, and physiology, okay? And what does that mean? So how does it flow into your weekly process? So, uh, again, up here in Stevens Point, I'll speak from my own group and, and, and the opportunities we've given here. <coughs> we have two ice times. So uh, weekly, kids skated twice, okay? Typically, first practice of the week was dedicated to skill. The -hmm. entire practice, station-based stuff. Um, Also, I think AJ talked about um, uh, having a theme. I'm a huge uh, believer in that. So themes say, hey, over the weekend, I noticed we got pushed around. Our competitive level was down. Uh, We were weak. We're not properly protecting puck in the corner, this and that. We've got to dedicate the entire practice to certain drills that can address that, right? So, but anyway, so the first practice of the week was predominantly um, skill work. Then the second practice of the week was mostly uh, conceptual stuff. And this is where Hockey IQ comes into play because we put kids in, in, in drills such as, you know, two-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-two. Uh, we would work on zone entry. I know some people may kind of think that that's a little too premature and too soon, but I think it's critical. And it's not that we were building robots telling them, okay, this is the only way to enter the zone. No, we offered options, and then we would say, okay, now in the drill, you choose one. You choose one that you feel is appropriate based on where players are, Right. Are you a winger bringing the puck in or are you going down the middle? Uh, Who's delaying? Who's developing lanes? You know, that type of thing. So um, we did a lot of that. So on top of that, in one of the days that we didn't have ice, we would uh, do stick handling. So, again, going back to um, uh, individual skills. So around the ring, we have an area where we can spend about 30, 45 minutes stick handling and working on passing drills and so on and so forth. Another day, we would do classroom session. I know people probably thinking, Mikhail, is this youth hockey or is this a professional club? But, but it's all part of it, right? And we all did it in the way where kids didn't feel like this was a big burden. Oh, my God, another time I have to go to the ring and this and that. They all bought into it. So classroom session, again, at our ring, we have a nice room where uh, some folks had donated, you know, a large screen uh, uh projector and then i would just bring a laptop and we would watch you know some of the clips from our games right so we would talk about some things that i saw on the ice and this and that kids loved it uh we would always watch a lot of youtube videos too and you uh, you guys can all access it and the two youtube videos would be specific on uh some of the techniques you know watching crosby 
and you know, and how he protects the puck down low, and how he gets outnumbered. But he's so strong, his lower body is so strong, and he knows exactly where people are coming at him. So then we would watch uh, passing uh, uh, plays or passing options. So kids were kind of grasping all of it in many different ways. And once again, at the end of the day, we just want them to develop their skill set. Uh, so they get stronger too with off ice, you know, sessions and things like that. And IQ again, just putting them in situations and then reviewing some of the things they did. You know, we can watch tape, we can kind of follow that and learn from it. Awesome, awesome. Um, do you have a uh, any piece of advice for a new or a youth coach coming into coming into the sport? Yeah, I do. I do. Here's what I would say. Um, I, uh, I've i coached, you know, with ISOX now for, oh gosh, again, I have to just kind of think back, but eight years. Prior to that, it was two years on a high school level. Um, I've coached, you know, as you said, Coleman Cup. I've coached uh, Central Wisconsin uh, Flyers uh, for about probably also six to, to eight years. I think that I have, you know, a fair share of experience, right? But that doesn't stop me from learning more about things that I can do better, you know, making myself better. So as a young coach coming in and you can use an excuse that, hey, I'm just a volunteer, you know, I do the best I can and, and this and that. It's not an excuse, you know, go into it with an attitude that uh, I'm going to learn. I'm going to attend all those, you know, coaching clinics and things like that. Uh, don't be afraid to sign up and follow coaches on social media. There's so much information out there, and uh, if you, even USA Hockey, I mean, they just, they come up with those booklets, right? They come up with booklets showing drills and things like that, so you have everything at your fingertips. So my recommendation, my advice is, A, be prepared. Be always thirsty for knowledge. you got to learn more. And then on top of just thinking that the only thing i got to worry about is the technicality of, you know, practices and this and that, no, think about what you can do as a teacher, you know, the psychology of code. Not every kid out there is going to respond to your message the same way. So try to get to know your kids. Try to figure out what buttons you can push and how you can get through because every kid needs a different approach. So you got to think through it a little bit, and you have to be patient, and you have to be, uh, once again, you know, willing to go an extra mile and never use an excuse that you're just a volunteer coach so what what do you want from me? That's funny you bring that up because I, I know we all get it all the time with the I'm just a volunteer coach, you know, I, I have a this isn't my normal job. This and and I and I even myself get that a lot. And a lot of the times when I get some of those answers, it's one of those things that's like, but it's about the experience that you're providing. As a coach, you're you can dictate so much of a player's and a kid's experience with the sport of hockey. And the more you put into it, the more you evolve what you know and learn into it, the better that experience is be for that kid who then can take, you know, and that and that's infectious. It goes to the entire team. It goes to different teams. And that's why I always tell coaches, like, learn from people. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Get in there. Just don't sit back and say, I'm just a volunteer. Like, like there's people within every organization that are fantastic coaches that you can lean on for questions and answers. And like you said earlier, I love social media. I mean, if you look at my Instagram feed, it's, it's a, it's a combination of, of, of some really great hockey minds. And, and I'm sure you're, you, you do it just as much as I do. We steal each other's drills all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what? You still drill, you bring it into your association. And, and next thing you know, there's 20 other coaches using that drill as well. So, yeah, yeah. There's a uh, Ryan. There's a question. I'm kind of looking at the at the at the side side yep. note sideline from Andy uh, Paulios. 
pardon yeah. if I butchered your name, but uh, <laughs> he brings up a good question here about you know how how do you how do you coach through drills or teach through games? I think it's a combination of both, right? And that's why in a game, in the game format, and I trust Andy's probably a coach as well. I don't know him, but in the game, it's very reactive, right? So as a coach, you stand on the bench, you see things as they unfold in front of you. So then what I like to do personally, I, I'm like a commentator, probably bucks the crap out of my players, but as a commentator, I comment on what I see out there. So kids that are not on the ice, they can hear me. They still hear my explanation or something that I would comment on. And then those players come off the ice, and some of the things that I just saw on the ice, now i got to talk to them about it. So mm-hmm. again, it's very reactive, uh, and it's very hard for you just to completely remove yourself from the game and just focus on five minutes of your conversation with somebody who, you know, who, who's ready for the next shift. Not yeah. five minutes, but in practice, I would probably, I would probably talk more about it. And uh, what I do is, you know, no matter how many drills you see out there, I actually see things that my team does not so well in games. And I remember, I write it down, and then I come up with drills once again to address it. So a lot of drills that. I do, uh, you know, uh, whether I can say, well, I created myself. I mean, a lot of it is just a game-like scenario, right, Ryan? So yeah. we all like to talk about it. It's not just the drill, hey, let's set up tires and let's just go around them. So what is the point of that? You know, yeah, if it's a U8 player, he's like, okay, well, I'll just go around the tires. Uh, a 13 or 14-year-old would be like, coach, uh, what, what is the, what's the purpose, man? So I try to explain, okay, the reason why I want you to, you know, Crosby around it this way and then use your reverse. Sorry, my battery is running low. Use, you, you know, uh, reverse thing here and there. Um, you know, that's the point because I want you to be able to uh, maneuver in and out. Okay. So setting up those drills as a game-like scenario and then talking about it is critical. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point. Um, the one of the last thing I have for you is, um, you know, with this, um, you know, COVID-19 situation and stuff like that and the uncertainty of, of tryouts and, and games and tournaments and where we're going to be, even be back on the ice, um, what is something that, like, you're telling your son right now to keep him sharp? Like, what is some of the advice you give to your own kid, you know, from a coaching standpoint? Yeah, that's that's an excellent question. Actually, you know, we're all dealing with it, and that's tough. I mean, look at the look at me. I'm rocking my Flyers hat right now uh, because I wish I could be wearing this hat on the bench, right? So we're all kind of just in the tough spot and probably feel out of place a little bit. Um, but uh, uh, so what I tell my kid, and this is another thing also to all of you coaches out there, um, there's so many things you can do to keep your team together. For example. Uh, what we did is there's something that's called 10,000 puck challenge out there. Have you heard of it, Ryan? Yep. Okay. So we're doing it. And uh, so a lot of kids are spending a lot of time at home now. And uh, so the team that I'm not even coaching anymore, they're from the past season. Uh, but I sent out this challenge. I said, hey, guys, let's get let's get after. Let's have a little fun. And there's players who are shooting 500 pucks a day. <laughs> One kid that you know, Ryan, okay, we're not going to call his name because he's going to get a big, big head. He shot thousand pucks a day, okay, thousand pucks a day. So where I'm going with this one, and that's hard. I don't know that I could shoot thousand pucks a day. I can tell you this: growing up in in, in Soviet Union, I never shot that much. <laughs> I lived in the so that's another difference. Like I didn't have that opportunity, right? So this kid better be a sniper when he comes out of it. Um, <laughs> 
that's a yeah. So you can, you can you can do that, and that that again, when I see that, I was like, man, this kid is for real. I mean, he's dedicated. He could be playing Fortnite, but he's yeah. shooting thousand bucks a day. I better make a mental note about that, right? So um, the other thing is, you know, again, there's a lot of uh, programs and a lot of. Um, resources out there you see online where and you including you guys doing a good job setting up workout sessions right and and some stick handling things and so on and so forth that's good you can do all of that but i would also encourage kids you know that that's the hockey part right but i would encourage kids to also you know read i mean read and, and go outside i mean i'm not saying you got to get a team together you can't really do that but go outside and shoot Oops, right or have your dad throw football around with you or, or baseball and that type of thing so i think it's okay to get your mindset off of hockey and not just be down in the basement shooting pucks like you're you know you're um uh <laughs> you're of some sort yeah. so be out there and do other things keep your mind fresh right keep your mind that's what i tell my son let's go for a bike right you know let's do that kind of thing so as long as you're staying active um i'm okay with that yeah you know that's one of the things that I think a lot of, uh, of parents, they're, um, they're instilling, and that's what I've seen across the board, is a lot of people are instilling fear, like, not fear, but, like, worry, like, oh, my gosh, when my, you know, tryouts are going to start, I mean, is my son going to be able to be on the ice in time before tryouts and, and preparation for these things? And, and one of the things I've tried to tell parents is it doesn't matter because we're all in the same boat. Everybody right now is dealing with the same thing. Nobody's skating. Like, so, you know, you don't got to worry about Johnny over there doing something else. What you got to do is just be a kid, yep. be prepared, yep. and then get ready to play the game when it comes. And that's all we can do right now. You can't sit there and worry about things that, that, that haven't happened yet or, or aren't, maybe it won't happen. But just like you yeah. said, I love the fact. Stay fresh. Stay focused. But you know what? Be a kid. Go outside. Yeah, be, yeah, be a kid going outside. I mean, the last thing you want is, you know, for boredom to kind of sink in. And once again, you all of a sudden you walk by your son's room or daughter's room and all you see him, you know, with the headset, you yeah. know, playing Fortnite for five hours straight. And he's got two empty bags of chips that he had eaten. And, uh, and that's not healthy. So that's definitely not going to help your son stay in shape and be ready for tryouts. And they will happen. I mean, right. We all hope that you know, without really naming dates or anything like that. But at some point we have to go back. And and I know kids are very excited. I mean, they feel as though they've missed out on some things. So I know they're going to be super excited. So staying active and, you know, keep keeping positive attitude about it is, is the way to go in my opinion. Yeah. This is the last question we have for you. Um, it's something that uh, Coach AJ brought up last time we talked about it. It was a fantastic question that I would love ending with now is, if you could go back, let's just say, 20, 25 years and tell yourself one thing that you know now, what would that be? Oh, dude, you, you, you should have said that. You should have said that ahead of time. This is, this is a deep thoughter. Uh, so if I had to go back and tell myself, you know, 20 years back, tell myself, um, uh, here's, here, here's one thing that I will say. I will say there is one thing when I was, you know, playing here at the university and, um, um, you know, back home, as I described my routine, my annual yeah. routine, right? I mean, everybody trained hard, but we did it all as a group, as a team. And that was easy because you were pushed uh, because your partners were leaning on you or they were running alongside of you and that type of thing. And that was easy to do it as a group because you felt that commitment and you felt that was the time to do it and so on and so forth. Now, when I arrived here, that was one of the different things. In the summer, 
We didn't have any of that, right? So yeah. it was all on you, individual effort, individual, um, you know, commitment, knowing that, hey, buddy, in two months, you've got hockey season on the college level, okay? Um, you need to start getting ready. So you need to start getting ready. And uh, I wish I would have been a little bit more um, committed to that, even though it was tough to do. Um, so just being physically prepared um, and uh, knowing the important things and setting my priorities straight. And I'm not saying that I was a complete goofball and I grew in my career. That's not it. But it was just it wasn't as easily done as what used to be done in, in a group setting. Right. Yeah. So that would that would be one thing. Um, the other thing, no, I think I did. I did everything that I had to do, Ryan. It's really hard. <laughs> I think. I think a lot of it was um, again learning from past experience, being surrounded by the right people who can steer you in the right direction. Um, and um, so, I think. I think it's hard to just just to come up with a good one here, buddy. But uh, no, that's, uh, that, that's that I would that I would definitely do. Perfect, because that's that's something that I've actually I, I told one of the kids I was I was talking to who was asking me questions about things, and I I had, I told them like right now is a great time to figure out what your priorities are, like what means a lot to you. Maybe hockey isn't what means a uh, you know a lot to some kids, but you know. And I said during this time period right now, figure out what your priorities are, and then go after your priorities, and then and then you know you know is is you know becoming a professional Fortnite player is that one of them, or is it to make the A team next year? Like figure out what want to do during this time because it's a perfect time you have nothing better to do than figure out what you want to do and then do it so i think i think having your priorities in line and understanding what those priorities are then after that figuring out how you're going to get you know to what you want i think it's fantastic like that's 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 one of the things like i you know i look back on my even my own career and you're like man like you know maybe instead of you know playing two hours of video games you only play 30 minutes you know i don't know but this is one of those things it's it's it, it is hey, hey, fortnite is getting a lot of free publicity on our on our on our live feed today but here's here's what i would say and and, and here's one thing i, I do want to mention in, in in your in your thing before we uh sign up so we we talked again uh last year and this is where obviously you got to talk to the right age level and you know mm -hmm. kids they're prepared to have these conversations so they can um, understand the purpose of it. We talked about motivation. Okay, yep. I think from pure psychology standpoint, you have to be motivated. Um, and uh, motivational factors are so different. I mean, we can sit here and uh, uh, come up with a being rewarded. Okay, being rewarded, your dad say, "Hey, I'm going to get you a new, latest, and greatest stick if you score two goals." Right? That's a motivation for you to go out there and 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 have your best game. Right? Uh, motivation by celebrity, you know, saying that, "Oh my gosh, if I play hard, then there's they're going to be writing articles about me, and I'm going to be famous." Right? That type of thing. You can be motivated motivated by fear. Okay, your mom and dad can say, listen, if you don't play well, I'm going to freaking sell your equipment. And that's it. That's going to be the end of that. Right. So or what is the right motivator or just being or being competitor? OK, yep. uh, so motivation should really lead to competition and competition, in my opinion, will lead to development. So that's kind of the sequence in my mind. you got to be motivated. Under the right circumstances, if you're motivated, you're going to compete harder. You're going to practice and train harder. And as a result of that, you're going to develop. Awesome. 
That's perfect. Well, um, I just want to say that was all the questions I had for you. Do you have anything uh, to add or anything uh, last you want to say to people or anything like that? No, hey, you know, first and foremost, guy, everybody hang in there, man. Hang in there. I, I know I know we're going to get through it. Um, and uh, I know the, the spring and summer season, a lot of families are really, you know, they can't you know, can scratch the itch. There's a lot of families out there going through withdrawals, and that's good to see. So hopefully kids will be motivated to get back after it. And I just want to thank you for picking me uh, yep. to be one of the speakers on your, on your live feed. I, I enjoyed it. And uh, hope people, you know, got to know me a little bit better and hopefully they learned a little bit too. Sounds good. Well, thank you for coming on and, and I appreciate everything and uh, I'll talk to you later. See ya. Take care. Yep.